0: now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! Is it a kingdom? Is it a pet? Oh, wait, I can't make that joke anymore. Oops. Thank you.
1: Farzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow.
0: In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? <laughs> Hello! How's it going? How's it going in the hood? It's all good in my hood. That's going down in the books. I officially cannot stop saying this. Like, boom and lak and It's here to stay. But how are y'all doing today? It's a good day to be alive. I'd even say it's a good day to be awake. And that's saying a lot. Because it is way too late at night at this time of recording. And I should be in bed. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. We have Sarah in today. Sarah of the Oeans, The Oeans. Like half of y'all listening are from Oean anyway, so you know, Oean represent. Kaboom. Shout out. Making it a thing. And we are talking about write what you know, because people say that way too much. Write what you know. Write what you know. And we decided to talk about it. And Sarah is an authority on write what you know, because one of her stories is based on her life experiences. And I gotta, I gotta warn y'all up front, there's a bit of a content warning here. I don't normally do this. Normally we're pretty we're pretty family friendly in the contents, but this is a true story, and there's some harsh stuff in it. So just a little bit of a warning to you guys. If you all aren't chill with that, you may want to skip this and move on to the next couple of episodes. I'll catch you around. But Sarah Erickson, right where you know, it's a thing. Don't let me introduce myself. Do you know who I am.
1: The average human male is about 60% water. Our work is a low extravagant. You're here because we want the best. And you're it. Nope. Couldn't keep a straight face.
0: I am the no mad. Hey everybody, welcome back. I have today with me my friend Sarah. She is an OEN alumni, and your last name keeps changing on Facebook so often that I don't actually know what your real last name is. Like, you have a pseudonym last name. What is your actual last name?
1: My actual last name is Erickson.
0: Okay, that's what I was thinking. Sarah Erickson, an OEN alumni, writer of some very nice things. We met back at the Winter Workshop in, oh gosh, what was that, 2013?
1: Um, yeah, I think it was 2013, Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess, technically, that's not that long ago. <laughs> it feels like it's been forever, though.
1: It does. Well, we were talking online for a lot longer than that, though.
0: That is true. That is true, and uh, and we haven't talked hardly for forever.
1: Yeah, I know. College has been keeping us busy, huh?
0: College is the devil when it comes to social life.
1: <laughs> no kidding.
0: <laughs> you would think otherwise, but oh well. So today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the write what you know mentality because i I hear it espoused a lot people always like write what you wrote write what you know write what you know has been kind of a a thing but people like me we don't like writing what we know we like writing historical fiction or sci-fi or fantasy but it does it does work a lot as you've seen
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like you, you your whole thing was and i was i was it during the workshop that you wrote this this short story
1: It was, um, the short story. Yeah, um, I went to my room after the first, uh, show. I probably annoyed my roommate because I was up till about 2 a.m. I had this sudden burst of inspiration. I sat down and about two hours I wrote a short story, um, That was a piece of fiction. It was a true story and it was technically from my experience. um, But at the same time, it was all something I had learned over time as well.
0: Yeah. Do you mind sharing with us uh, what I know? I know I know it. Would you be comfortable sharing bits of it just so they have a background?
1: Absolutely. Um, basically, what happened was um, the first thing to know is that I am adopted. Um, I love my adopted family. To me, they're my true family. My mother's my mother. Yeah. My father's my father. My brother's my brother.
0: I remember um, you telling me that because I, I was like, because uh, we were talking that first night. And I asked you, hey, do you ever, do you want to know who your your birth parents were? And you were like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> and I, I I thought that was a really interesting thing because all the movies, you know. That's always a big dilemma in any type of adoption story.
1: Mhm. I think another thing about adoption too is it's how parents treat it. If you just spring it on their 16th birthday, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're adopted." That can <laughs> <laughs> That and that's what you see in a lot of the movies about adoption. It's like all of a sudden sprung on the main character, mm-hmm. and then it becomes this whole journey of "I don't really know who I am. My whole life has been a lie. Where do I come from?" Yeah. Well, for me, it's something that I've never not known. I grew up knowing I was adopted. I grew up, my mother tells me that I may not be of her womb, but I am of her heart. And it's it's a really strong bond that can happen between adopted children and adopted parents. Because if you go about it learning well, from day one or whatever. It's something that is not a shock. It's something that you can know, okay, this is where I come from. This is what happened in my past or whatever. Now, this is only speaking from my experience and from my brother's experience. Now, it might be different if someone's adopted at a later age. For me, my mother was there at my birth Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, in two senses, I guess. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so to speak um, so I've always known and I've always been very comfortable talking about being adopted so for me it's always funny when people say well doesn't that bother you or do you want to know about your parents because it's not that I don't want to know it's that I already know yeah. um, it, and it's not something I've been interested in really searching or researching because again it's something I'm comfortable with And basically, the the basis of my story is when my biological mother, or in my story, I call it the carrier, um, when she learned she was pregnant with me, it was a shock to her. She was married. She already had, uh, I think it was two or three children. And what happened was she was a drug addict and she was a party person, a party mentality, and she was an alcoholic. When she went to a party one time, she was looking for someone to sell her drugs, or speed is one of the names for it. And she didn't wanna trade money or anything, so what she did was one of the first lines of my my short story is she traded drugs for sex, and that's how I came into the world. I was an unplanned uh, baby in her mind, but to God I was already planned. Mm-hmm. It was something that was predestined, and you, you know He talks about we're we're knit together in the womb. And so my short story talks about the journey of from a baby's perspective what i would assume it would feel like in the womb um of being surrounded in a toxic environment because even when she was pregnant with me she didn't stop doing drugs she didn't stop smoking or stop consuming alcohol at a at a extreme point in fact during the entire pregnancy she only gained about eight pounds oh my Uh, gosh it it was it was a very surreal experience she went she was uh, from a Christian Catholic background and she never wanted to be religious she ran away from God and she basically hated anything to do with God and Christ and Well, when she learned about me, she went to an abortion clinic because she did not want her husband finding out. She didn't want it to affect her party life. She wanted to continue having a party, and she didn't want to have to worry about, oh, another another bird and another child to go with the two that she was already ignoring at home. Um, And so she went to the abortion clinic. And she was there waiting to have an abortion when she felt a hand on her, not a, not a physical hand, but more of a spiritual hand. And she heard a voice that said, this is not your child. Um, this is not your child to kill. And she walked out of the abortion clinic and she was in shock. She knew that it was God talking to her. And and again, she's always ran for, run from that. So... It was a shocking experience for her. And that's when, um, basically, a long story short, she found my parents who worked with her from the minute they met her. And she went through a long um, experience of them supporting her, helping her through the birth. And it was hard on on my adoptive parents as well because they would beg her to stop taking the drugs and they would beg her to stop the alcohol but again she didn't want to and so it's a story where a story of despair almost because it shows the hardship of knowing being in that position but also the joy and the miracle because when a child is born from someone who is uh, continuously using drugs alcohol a lot of the times they're very damaged when they're born Uh, and so they were prepared for me to come out very damaged and addicted to drugs and really be a mess basically and the nurses took me they took my blood and there was not a speck or a sign of the drugs or alcohol in me and so that's my story and and it's called miracle child because it was a miracle to us god protected me in the womb and it's been an amazing story for me to share with people and to share in writing as well because it it's another way of writing from experience while i don't remember necessarily it it's something that i've always learned i've always known about and I've been able to have those feelings and to, to realize what would it feel like to put myself in that position again? What would it feel like not only for me as a child, but for her, the despair and the confusion. And that's another great thing about writing from experience is you get to think all these things through and put yourself in the position of wanting to do better or not mm-hmm. sure who to turn to. And that's why writing from experience could be so cool, whether it's having lived through it or whether it's like you talk about historical fiction, whether it's learning about it and putting yourself in the time period as well.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes a ton of sense to, to write from experience. Like your story is fantastic and it has a huge emotional impact, even just you verbally telling it. Thank you. Yeah, no, even the first time I heard it, it was, yeah, so, I mean, and to take to take one's own background, to take one's experiences, or to take uh, just a true story and work that in, into your writing, whether it be, like, an actual retelling, or if it's just taking an element from your life and putting it into your story, it lends an authenticity that you wouldn't have otherwise. Some people can really make good fiction, but when you add those real elements... It um it really opens up a lot of things.
1: hmm
0: like I, I I used to look at writing from experience as almost almost a crutch. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to use it because I'm like my life is boring. I'm just writer. I do writerly <laughs> things. I sit at my computer and I type words. How am I gonna write from my own experiences? But I realize over time that it's not it's not a crutch, it is an amazing tool mm-hmm. that you can use. And truth truth is weirder than fiction and but you can still get away from it get away with it you know Mm -hmm, by bringing a a true story you can tell amazing things and when people are like no i don't believe that you're like no this is true this this happened to me this Mm -hmm. is legit
1: Mm -hmm. indeed it's it's really interesting and not only that you don't have to follow something from point to point to point you can take different aspects of a a situation that you've been in, and add to a character or add to a point of a story, and really embellish it and grow it from just having that small experience as well.
0: Absolutely, like a lot of people use, uh, they develop characters based off of people that they know. Mm-hmm. And up until coming to college, I didn't want to use that method. And then I ran into people at college. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all these people are going in my book. <laughs> Well, there's this person I like in the. I'm going bunny trail here. Her name was Corabeth, okay, and Mm -hmm. she was in one of my classes. She's a redhead. Her last name is all red, but she is colorblind to the color red.
1: Oh my goodness! Her
0: birthstone is a ruby. It's just like what the heck? What what is this person? She she salsa dances. That's her hobby, and she dates she dates Mexican men exclusively. Oh my goodness! There's a story she told me. One day she looked out her window. She saw a coyote attacking her little dog. So she runs out, picks up the coyote, and throws it. She wow. says that she regrets this decision because the coyote smelled bad.
1: Oh! <laughs> that is like what? What is
0: this person? <laughs> and she—that wasn't the only freak in my college. But I mean, that, it's that type. <laughs> it's a type of thing where you you take a piece of reality and it, I've plugged her right on in, name and all, into uh, my dystopian novel right now have i told you about my my work in progress
1: you haven't
0: i'm writing a dystopian comedy
1: (laughs) oh that's fantastic (laughs) i'm gonna
0: have to tell you about that but hey we are going to break for the time being we are going to have a lovely midsection and i will see you all again tomorrow for the next episode thank you and enjoy stop right there podcast listener do you find yourself overwhelmed by an alarming realization that you haven't done anything in life Do you find yourself incapable of comprehending this revolutionary idea of writing what you know because you don't actually know anything? Do you feel threatened by the slow decay of your flesh sitting in front of a glowing screen while your mortal life slowly seeps into oblivion? As an immortal pan-dimensional salesperson, I can't relate to any of that. But if you're thinking to yourself, Gee willikers,
1: I wish I had life experiences,
0: then I can help! I've spent years developing a device that generates life experiences, and it's finally ready. I am pleased to present the Life Experience Generator Device. For only $19.95, this computerized voice box will randomly generate suggestions that will set you on the path to greater understanding of the world around you, such as... Lick that police officer on the ear. You see? Just follow the suggestions and you will have infinite material to work with for your latest story. Here's another one. Strike your neighbor's chihuahua repeatedly with an unripened banana. The wealth of experience you will incur from these suggestions is just nineteen ninety five away, especially when you are told... Pour milk on yourself and run through Walmart singing I am King Waffler's Tomper. Do da, Donald Trump's hair, I'm the Grand Sass Master. Your mortal friends will envy you. Human book publishers will contest for your work. Immortal pan dimensional beings like myself will take notice from on high and make polite casual remarks to each other while sipping herbal beverages. Especially when the device says, Walk into Comic Con wearing a Jar Jar mask. Tell all the elves that you love their Zelda costumes. And then announce repeatedly how much you love the Hobbit film adaptations by George Lucas. Your mortality will thank you. Call now, only 1995. Existential crises available on request. Some restrictions apply. See the alien for details. You're listening to.
1: This is serious. The very serious writing show. <laughs>